Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. With Sure 72-hour non-stop protection. Tested to the limits. Sure, it won't let you down. Good evening, folks. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench. Roy here with you until 7 p.m. A very, very busy show tonight. We're going to have reaction from Croke Park, where Dublin have beaten Kerry in the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship final. Not a classic. The Dubs own care. They are the All-Ireland Senior Football Champions. Also on the show tonight, going to hear from the Cork Ladies Footballers. They were beaten by Dublin last night in the All-Ireland semi-final. Going to begin our look ahead to the Camogie final Cork facing Waterford next week. We'll hear from Cork free ticker Amy O'Connor a little bit later on in the show. We're going to hear from the latest Rebel Ogue monthly award winners. Danny Murphy is going to talk to us about Ireland versus Nigeria. And we're going to talk to Sarah McKenzie Foley on all things F1. And another win for, yeah, you can probably guess who it is at this point. You're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Thrilled you joined us on the Big Red Bench this evening, right here on Cork's Red FM. We're here until 7pm. My name is Rory O'Hagan. Delighted to have your company for the next hours. We talk all things sport and it certainly has been uh, a big, big day with Dublin Crown, the All-Ireland Senior Football Champion. Let's get a full-time report from Ashley O'Reilly. Full-time and Dublin are the 2023 All-Ireland Champions. Unbelievable scenes here at Crow Park. What a game. Two evenly matched teams. By one point at the break, thanks to a Paul Ganey goal. Moments before half time, David Clifford with his third on the 45th minute gave Kerry a three point lead. But that quickly was all changed, and the game was leveled on the 47th minute from a mistake at the back from Kerry. Colin Pascal runs towards goal before passing it to Paddy Small, whose shot is blocked by Paul Murphy and deflects into the net. On the 48th minute, we saw the introduction of Jack McCaffrey, who was an instant impact. Cody Clifford had a huge second half, kicking three points for Kerry. And on the 65th minute, Brian Fenton gave Dublin the lead. But with his first touch since coming off the bench, Killian Milan leveled the game once more. This game really had everything, edge of your seat stuff. And unfortunately for Kerry, David Clifford had some uncharacteristic wides in that second half. Sean O'Shea, he leveled the game with a tap over free. And Paul Mannion did it once again down the other end. But it was Dean Rock who sealed the deal with a free into the hill and Dublin held on to win. Paul Mannion was exceptional and Stephen Cluxon kicked two crucial points. And the Sal Maguire is staying in the capital for 2023. It ended Perry 113, Dublin 115. And that is how it finished in headquarters, as I said at the top of the show. Not exactly a classic. The Dubs won't care. They have Sam McGuire in their possession. Uh, locally in the Bond Secours Senior Football Championship, which town facing Ellen Rovers and Clannan Kilty. Uh, that's at 730 We'll have more uh, from uh, local Gaelic game scene a little bit later on in the show. We're going to hear from uh, Clan and Valley Rovers after their clash in Group A of the Premier Senior Football Championship. In golf and Porter Carrington shot off the pace with five holes left to play at the Senior Open Championship in Wales. Dreadful, you have no idea how bad the conditions are. It's like basically here, but worse. Uh, at Royal uh, Porth, call the Dubliner four over power overall, and Alex Cech of Germany leading the way on three over par. Leon McGuire, meanwhile, finished on one over par at the Evian Championship in France after a final round of 75. Stephanie Meadows, six over. Celine Boutier of France, who took the title by six shots on 14 under. 
Columbia causing a big, big shock at the World Cup today. They had a two victory over Germany. Also in Group H, Morocco can still advance following a 1-0 victory over South Korea. The co-hosts New Zealand are out after a 0 draw with Switzerland. Norway will join the Swiss in the knockout stages. They hammered Philippines 6-0 today. The Republic of Ireland, meanwhile, facing Nigeria tomorrow as Vera Pauside look to end their campaign on a high. They've lost to Canada and Australia and they face a good side following their win over Australia. So a big, big game tomorrow for the girls in green. We're cheering on the girls in green down under with Cabri become a supporter on half of women's football and Danny Murphy, the Cork City women's boss, will be on with us a little bit later on to talk us through Ireland's World Cup campaign and tomorrow's game. Max Verstappen has won the Belgian Grand Prix. Again, he is just utterly, utterly dominant. Eight wins in a row. Now, he qualified in pole, had a gearbox issue, had to start from sixth after being penalised five places. Still won, didn't matter. He is just far, far too good. Sergio Perez, his Red Bull teammate, was second. Charlotte Claire was in third. And in cricket, Reina stopped play at the uh, the fifth Ashes test today. Four of that at the Oval. Australia's cricketers, 135 though, lost. They were chasing a target of 384 for a series clinching uh, win. It's uh, England bowler, fast, uh, fast bowler, I should say, Stuart Broad's last match before retiring. Over 600 test wickets in an absolutely incredible career. So it'll be his last game, but no play today. Uh, the because uh, rain is stopping play. It's been torrential stuff uh, at the Oval. Uh, again, weather just all over the place uh, today. Uh, but that's kind of everything getting you up to date uh, sports-wise today. You're listening to The Big Red Bench with Shore 72-hour non-stop protection. We're going to hopefully go back to uh, Croke Park before the end of the show. There's some reaction from that uh, Dublin team after their win over Kerry today. But it was disappointment last night for Cork who were beaten uh, by Dublin in the All Ireland Senior Women's Football Championship semi final. They finished Dublin 219, uh, Cork 13 points at Thurless last night. Let's hear from Cork boss Shane O'Neill speaking to our colleague from off the ball, Ashling O'Reilly. Disappointing. Um, you know, we didn't play up to where we can play, and I think Dublin were absolutely outstanding. So there's, there's the 12 point difference, you know, and I think we said all week if, if we performed, we had a chance. We didn't perform in Dublin, definitely did. And I think, um, look, you know, I suppose lots of things are getting wrong for us. Missed lots of chances as well. We'd be very disappointed with our scoring, scoring percentage. You know, I think it was less than 50%, just 45% or something like that. Which you just can't, you can't do at this level. And, you know, we missed a couple of goal chances that, that we needed to get, I suppose, to keep us in the game. And Dublin were absolutely clinical with everything they had. And, you know, they were, they were absolutely outstanding. You know, I suppose we've, been, we've done an analysis of Dublin, you know, games in the last while. And, you know, they hadn't been putting in performances like that. And they were outstanding today. And I think they were fair play to the lads. They had them absolutely perfect for on the day. So, look, they were they were outstanding. Yeah, you came up against a very good Dublin team today. Were you surprised? You sound a bit surprised with their performance? Uh, I suppose, look, I know the players are, those play, quality players are there, like, but I suppose if you're looking back at all their games all year, like they, ha- they hadn't been firing on all cylinders, you know? And I suppose we were looking at those games, analysing those games. And But, look, as I said during the week, Dublin haven't gone away. They've got serious players. And they absolutely maximised what they had today. They were unbelievable. Some of their, you know, the big players really stood up and the pace they had and, you know, like Jennifer Dunn and Lauren McGee, like, they were unbelievable the points they scored from play. And I suppose we were, I suppose, looking at, you know, trying to shut down, shut down the shooters from out there. We didn't get it done. And um, look, we're, we're disappointed with that. But look, you can't, you can't take it away from Dublin and the road standing. And overall, how would you sum up the year? I look a bit up and down. You know, we were quite happy with the league. We got a lot of young 
time into young players. And I suppose, look, we suffered two ACL injuries during the year as well. And Sarah Lee, uh, you know, did our collarbone. So, look, they were big players, probably would have been playing today. And I suppose at the moment, you know, we're, we're you know, we're trying to get enough, trying to get players through of the highest, high quality. And I suppose, look, we've, we've got a bit of catching up to do on certain teams with regards to the physical, physical stuff. Like, and I suppose, look, it's a bit we're building the team there trying to build it at the moment um, you know so look we're quite happy with, with certain stuff we don't but look we're just, we are just very disappointed with today we, we had high hopes coming into the day but look as I said we didn't perform Dublin did and hats off to them yeah the likes of Orla Callanan coming off the bench I thought she did really well she got a score from play and fortunately in the end she had to go off but you could see the impact she made and the energy about her yeah look she's a great young player like you know and I suppose she's trying to balance the two the two, and I suppose it's, it's harder for the younger girls the older ones who were involved in the, in the duel I you know are probably used to it and look she's had a couple of bangs lately and knocks and you know she's 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 small so look um, we're, we're very we're very happy with her she's got a big future ahead of her um, you know and look yeah, hopefully she'll, she'll be okay for next week yeah and overall then will you look to next year I suppose at the minute it's raw but you'll be looking and planning ahead yeah look I, I have another year left on, on my three year term and look we'll, we'll have to we'll, look we're not we're not ridiculous about our own opinions of ourselves as well like we're going to have a long hard look at ourselves as well and see what we need to do and find the right person to stay stay, stay stay involved going forward then look I'll stay involved um, you know there's a good atmosphere there good good bunch of girls good great backroom staff you know we're all working very hard and I suppose that's people look at it, maybe look at today's scoreline and you're thinking oh, what are they doing like and it does unbelievable good work goes on every single week oh, yeah. um, you know and the sacrifices every single member of the backroom team and the players are making and myself as well like you know we've, we've got, got other responsibilities as well so look it's very raw at the moment, but uh, we won't make any rash decisions. We'll look, sit down and have a look at it. Oh, absolutely. And there were so many chances coming near the end as well. They could have easily snuck a goal in and it could have been a different game. Yeah, look, we needed to get a goal. And, and look, that might have really, really, you know, trying to cut among the pitches like we had down to maybe seven or eight points. And, uh, you know, if we got a goal, we was down to four or five. And then you're, then you're, you're seeing what, what can happen. Like, in the, you know, you get the, your dander up, but we just didn't get it. Mm. And in fairness to Abby, made a couple of brilliant saves yeah. and they're like, you know, and... Uh, she, 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 you know, she made sure we weren't getting the goal, and it was look, Leah Caffrey and all sent the pull back and dived them balls there, and you know they they have that winning mentality. Mm-hmm. They were just outstanding, and you know, I, you know, I think like Kerry, carrying themselves is going to be some game. The big red bench on Cork's Red FM. That is Shane Ronan there uh, speaking after last night's defeat to Dublin. The Dublin's now will play Kerry in that All Ireland Senior Women's Football Final. All right, this time next week, Cork will be facing Waterford in the Glendimplex All Ireland Senior Camogie Final in Croke Park. Five o'clock is far too late for that game to be starting, by the way. Uh, but uh, let's not hear it there. The Rebels haven't uh, captured the All Ireland Senior Silverware since 2018. Waterford have reached the final for the first time in 78. Years now, the um, press conference uh, or the uh, yeah the uh, the pre-match media day, the official one in Dublin, took place earlier on this week. Joe McCarthy was at the Cork one where he has gotten fifteen interviews. One five, fifteen interviews. You can hear them on the Women's Sport podcast this coming Thursday on Red FM. subscribe to the Big Red Bench in your uh, podcasts and you will be able to get it there on Thursday but a huge absolutely huge you're not going to get a bigger preview than what Charles planned for the Women in Sport podcast this week but at the Dublin press conference journalist Colin Duffy was there and he spoke to uh, Cork free taker Amy O'Connor ramps up ahead of the showpiece Amy O'Connor Amy we're here in Crow Park looking out at the pitch it's such immaculate condition it's always where you want to play You've got the chance to play here in the quarter final this year. Okay, 
a lot of teams you'd like to direct route to the semi-final and obviously the semis were down in UPMC Nolan Park but any time you get a chance to play here or any chance you get to come here there's always goosebumps isn't there? Yeah it definitely never gets old um, it was nice to, to play here a couple of weeks ago in the quarter-final um, and as you said regardless of whether you're playing or not it's always nice to, to come to Grove Park Talk to me about the campaign so far because I suppose a bit up and down but at the stage you want to be now and the wrongs rectified in a lot of ways I'm sure as well. Yeah definitely we're exactly where we need to be and want to be at the moment um, you know obviously delighted to be in the final didn't get off to the best start um, but we did put in a good performance against Galway the first day we just didn't get on the right end of the result um, but then obviously beat them in the semi-final so I suppose some people would say that we've um, right those wrongs but yeah just focus now on the, on the final in a couple of weeks time. If I go back a little bit in the championship, maybe to the quarter final, I mean, sometimes people use the phrase trains, planes, and automobiles to get to a place. Uh, there was trains and buses required to get to Crow Park last time. You'll hope the journey is a bit smoother this time round. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose the best thing about that, that whole day was um, while it seemed chaotic and while it probably was chaotic, for us, you know, it, we didn't leave it bother us within our dressing room. You know, everyone remained really calm. And maybe in previous years that would have gotten to us, but we didn't leave it get to us all obviously we knew the bigger picture unfortunately there was an accident on the line and you know um, some things are just bigger than sports um, so we were very much aware of that and you know as I said it didn't really affect us too much and we got on with it and you know we went out and won the quarter final then so look trains, planes and automobiles yeah hopefully the next day might be a bit easier Sometimes if there's a bit of adversity facing the team and okay that's just a bus you know, or sorry, a train that you can't go any further or whatever, but sometimes teams cope better in the face of adversity. I noticed myself a lot over the years, a lot of teams who've maybe unfortunately had someone pass away, they've bond together or whatever, that there nearly seems to be a stronger mentality sometimes if you have a little bit of of a blip along the way because sometimes maybe things can be too prepared where if you have that unexpected thing it can solidify you and then obviously in a game things can happen unexpectedly as well so you need that character to dig into sometimes too as well yeah we do and we face a lot of adversity over the course of the last year you know we've picked up um, a pile of injuries you know and some very serious injuries but we worked through it you know we, we dogged it out when we needed to dog it out and, and thankfully you know a lot of the girls are coming back from their long term injuries now which is brilliant um, but yeah, sometimes adversity can be good for a team and they can make that bond a bit closer. And I suppose, speaking of that kind of in terms of results, obviously it was well documented around the semi-final, you know, you hadn't beaten Galway in eight games and, you know, obviously one of those losses was only a goal in it and Kenny Park at Rice started the championship as well too, you know, that you have that in the tank, you know, you, you, you get the results at the right stages you know I'm thinking the Limerick Hurlers at the weekend they lost to Clare that was a key game for Clare you know I'm not saying anyone wants to go out and lose a game but the losses seem to come at the right times yeah definitely and I suppose yeah you're right we haven't beaten Galway since 2017 and for a lot of those games Galway were the better team but for some of them we just came out on the wrong end of the result and you know we had played very well in the game but just maybe our conversion rate wasn't there um, and from the very moment Liam Cronin came to Cork this year he said we only needed to beat Galway once um, and, and thankfully that came at the right time last Saturday. Talk to me about that kind of the backroom management and everything else and how they've really got behind this group of players because, you know, the players, you need to do it on the pitch, obviously, but it's it's a big setup. You know, you need everybody pulling together. 
be that players, be that the management, be that county board officials, sponsors and Kiris, and obviously the supporters as well. You'd love a big support here in Crow Park too, but the management have really come together and got you running this year quite well. Yeah, we have a phenomenal management team whose attention to detail is second to none. Um, you know, and that goes from you know our physio Donald right up to our manager Matthew Toomey. Um, we have a lot in our backroom team, and they all have their own individual roles, and they do them to you know an exceptional level. So we're delighted with our management team, to be honest, and they couldn't do any more for us to just be able to go out and play on the day. I think it's 2010 since Galway or um, Kilkenny Halfen appeared in a final. Um, you obviously have a hunger for silverware you know that the ladies footballers are going quite well in All-Ireland semi-final for them this weekend and I'm thinking back to the noughties where you couldn't come to Crow Park but there was a Cork person lifting silverware <laughs> Rena Buckley was get picking up all the medals Mary O'Connor etc etc times change or we go back to those times again do you think? Yeah times change I suppose cycles change and you know teams improve and you know some teams go through a level of transition and uh, but we're very very hungry uh, we haven't won since 2018 it's been a long time um, so we're we're very very hungry for next week I haven't mentioned of course the opposition Waterford what a display by them in the semi-final you know a first All-Ireland final appearance in 78 years you know Cork have never had those gaps in Camogie going back to the foundation of the Camogie you know Cork have always been around every couple of years um, in some ways you must be thrilled for Waterford because you see them from afar and you've seen them in close quarters having played them over the years you know they're making they've been making great progression but at the same time you know all that romanticism is going to be left to one side now you want to win this one you know 28 is a long it's a long gap in, in terms of Cork Camogie uh, without the O'Duffy Cup yeah it is it's a very long gap um, too long of a gap really to be honest um, and as I said we're, we're very very hungry and um, yeah it's, it's it's brilliant for Waterford and you know 78 years is, is a very long time and they have some phenomenal players and I suppose both of us being from Munster we come across each other quite regularly we know a lot about them and they know a lot about us um, so it'll be a great game and we're really looking forward to it Yeah, Timmy O'Connor there has been to Colin Duffy at the um, launch of the final earlier on this week in Croke Park and fingers crossed the Rebels can bring on Duffy home next weekend the very best luck to the Cork panel as I mentioned it's going to be a big, big preview in the Women in Sport podcast with Joe McCarthy, who has done incredible work in getting 15 interviews ahead of the game. So you can hear those on the Women in Sport podcast on redfm.ie on Thursday or subscribe to the Big Red Bench podcast in your podcast feed. And Hayley Ryan, who is presenting the uh, 2 o'clock show here today, the 2 to 6 show, uh, is part of that Cork Senior Camogie panel. We wish Hayley the very, very, very best of luck indeed next week. Um, let's get some reaction from Croke Park. Uh, let's hear from uh, Jack O'Connor, the Kerry boss, speaking after their uh, two-point defeat to Dublin in the All-Ireland Final. It's never easy to an All-Ireland Final. Um, it's, um, it's a tough one because I thought there were stages of that game in the second half and we looked like we were, I won't say in control, but that we were playing within ourselves. And... Um, I just thought the goal was a huge turning point. It gave massive energy to Dublin, playing into the hill. And um, while old boys reacted really well to the goal, I felt that the effort it took to come back from the goal and go back up three, that that possibly took it out of Orphalus in the last five, ten minutes there. And, uh, you know, once Dublin smelled it, then, you know, they have the extra bit of experience, I suppose, and know-how uh, that has seen them get over the line in tight games before. And um, this one was no different. 
Latin David Clifford's shoulders every day he plays. Um, uh, I'm not sure what the premise of the question is. David Clifford has been magnificent for us all the year. And um, we were hoping upon hope that we'd get him up the steps himself and party today, but you know, after the tough year he's had, the long year he's had. Um, but it wasn't to be, but um, I don't think there's a player that's ever had a year like David Clifford has had since last uh, since last January when he won the the All Ireland Junior here, right through to, to now he's uh, he's been a magnificent captain for us and just a great man. I just think, Shane, that the, the effort it took for us to come back, you see, the goal just gave Dublin energy. The last thing you want to give Dublin, playing into the hill is, is a goal because it just gives them huge energy. It's like a, a, a you know, a bolt of electricity goes through the, the whole ground, you know? And even though we, we reacted tremendously to it, it just gave them a sniff that they were back in the game. Because I think up to the goal, I thought we were, you know, we were well, we were well there, we were well on course to win the game. Um, it's just one of those things, slippy ball, tough conditions. These things happen. Yeah, I don't think it was. It wasn't that we didn't have chances, John. I don't know what the wide count was today. I know, but off the top of my head, but um, I thought, I thought we, we created chances. I can remember several chances we had. We missed. Uh, Situation where we had, we had a fisted point for the taking. We missed a couple coming in from angles that that could have gone over. So um, I thought we were still creating chances. I thought it was a very very even game. You know, maybe they were a bit more clinical front of goal than we were, but very hard to fault over us. I thought our defensive display was tremendous. Our backs. We kept a lot of their main men. Tom kept Costello very quiet. Tyg and Jason between them did, did, did great work on, on Con Callaghan. Uh, I thought Graham did really well on Kilkenny. A lot of the big players that we targeted, I thought our men did very well in them. Uh, but, you know, Dublin still have the know-how that got them six All-Irelands in a row. That's still, that DNA is still in the dressing room and maybe in the end it, 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 it was a bit of experience that got them out of the line. Yes, Jack O'Connor there, obviously very, very done after that defeat to Dublin today. Dublin 115, Kerry 113 was how it finished in Croke Park this afternoon. Dublin are the All-Ireland champions. That's a good point to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to uh, the latest Rebel Logue monthly award winners. going to talk to Danny Murphy about uh, the Republic of Ireland as they prepare for their final World Cup game. Talking F1, and we're going to hear from Clannacilty after their win over Valley Rovers. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. With Sure, 72-hour non-stop protection. Tested to the limits. Sure, it won't let you down. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Delighted you could join us on the Big Red Bench. We're here with you until 7pm. And speaking about that uh, World Cup, you just heard in a promo there. Ireland taking on Nigeria in their final World Cup game tomorrow to uh, look ahead to it and to look back on the uh, two defeats so far for the girls. I mean, those two narrow defeats. I'm joined on the line by Cork City women's boss, Danny Murphy. Danny, first off, how are you, sir? 
Yeah, no, I'm very good. Very good. Thanks for joining us on the Big Red Bench this evening, as always. Um, Ireland's two games, two defeats. Disappointing that tomorrow's game is for nothing but pride, Danny. We'll go back and look at that Canada game first off, I suppose. And um, I know you're at Turner's Cross for the watch party, which is a tremendous success. And the MFA and Cork City Council deserve tremendous credit for that. But when you look at the game as a whole, um, Ireland just, I suppose, ran out of steam in the second half. And I, I suppose it's not unfair to say beaten by the better team. Yeah, no, look, they was. I think first half, we was very much on top and dominating. And then second half, I think Canada changed things around and made some changes in the, in, in the team. Bought on um, the girl in midfield, I can't think of my name now, but they made a couple of changes. And I think we didn't adapt to that and we didn't make changes once they kind of nullified what we were doing to them in the first half so I think then we needed to make the changes and we kind of went a bit direct and similar to what kind of Canada were limited to doing in the first half where they were end up playing long direct balls and they were going out of play we kind of ended up a little bit like that and in the second half and it just allowed them to get on top and dominate then I suppose when you're when you're opponent trying to make changes I suppose maybe the player is not on the bench there to make an impact Danny yeah, no, you do. Look, you're, obviously, that's it's always the risk, and I suppose you're bringing players on, and you're hoping that they will make an impact. Is you you, cut, you never know whether they do come on and play well and make the impact, and you just it's kind of what you're hoping for them to do. And I think once we brought, um, we made the changes, and Amber Barrett come on, but then we end up really going for it and putting Louise Quinn up front as well. And I think they just kind of got in each other's way a little bit. And that goal just before half time kind of I suppose really I suppose sucked the life out of Ireland, I suppose, as it does when you when you do concede a goal just before half time and looked a bit shell shocked then coming out for the second half. Yeah, no, it did. I think it obviously it makes going in a half time you just concede a goal like that and it's like all your hard work you put into it and then you're like oh, it's kind of deflating a little bit. But I think for me, I, I just think Canada changed their game plan and adapted. And I think in the second half, that was the difference. They they, they changed the way they played. They made a couple of changes at half-time. And then they it just allowed them to be more, you know, front foot on top. And it just made things very difficult for Ireland. Um, Heather Payne was supposed to start that game, uh, was withdrawn uh, in the pre-match warm-up, which obviously disrupted Ireland's plans and I suppose disrupted the team's focus, Danny. Yeah, no, I would, I'd have said it was a difficult win. You know they found out, but look, I suppose that she, there's a reason why she brought on your Gorman. She's, you know, she's got the experience to step in and be able to do do a job when things like that happen. And I think if you're starting a young girl after she's probably she's not been in the squad the first game, and then wasn't on the bench, and then you you you're like, you're like now you're starting. I think that's a lot harder. I think though with um, what do you call it, uh, on your like you know that she can you know step in, make the right choices, be be ready to play really. And I think that's you know, look, you've got the players there to be able to do that and it's part and parcel of your job, I suppose, as a player to be ready at any time you're called and but it I don't think it ended up affecting them in mm. it. I actually think they started quite well. Denise O'Sullivan, um, as we all know, picked up that injury in the Premium um, World Cup warm-up match against Colombia mm. and looked like she faded quite a bit in the second half um, uh, against Canada. Has that injury, it seems like it's had a big effect on her and she hasn't been her usual, I suppose, 110% self. Yeah, I think it's hard. I think, like, you know, I don't know like how serious it was or whether it's affected her game. I think that Denise has to do a lot of work in midfield 
And I think that we don't then get to see what she can do in in the final third of the pitch because she ends up spending a lot of time kind of having to be a playmaker in a deeper position. Um, I'd like to see uh, her and Katie in there, really. I think that, you know, they're, they're your, your engine room. They're the girls with all the energy and they're the ones that can really drive you on as a team. And I think, you know, Katie, I know that's where she plays for her club, but I think, you no. Know, it's been no, no disrespect to anyone else, but I think like at Arsenal, they're probably you've got plenty of world class players there. So having her on the left is really effective here. But I think for us, we we need her probably in the midfield or higher up on the left. Mm. Um, after the game, um, on RT, Richie Sadler was quite uh, critical of Vera Powell's comments that he seemed to perceive them as her putting the blame on the team what did you make of Vera's comments I suppose afterwards and is Richie right is she trying to deflect I suppose the blame onto her players yeah I don't I think it was uh, I think it's always hard as a manager after a game to talk because um, the emotions are still there and mm. you can end up saying things and you're like you go back and oh, do you know I probably won't like <laughs> saying that but I think to say what she said I think was a bit I don't know it was, it was kind of shifted towards them mm. and I don't think that was right I think that you know we've got to be honest on where we're at like we're probably for three four years behind Canada as a nation in terms of from a footballing point of view and we're probably similar to that with Australia I'm, I'm like but to only lose by them get them games by one goal is brilliant mm. so we, we, we've got a lot the players have got a lot to take away from it because you know them girls have all come from League of Ireland and got to that stage and I think to go and kind of blame them for the performance I think that maybe some of the decisions weren't quite right as well uh, They are facing Nigeria tomorrow who pulled off a bit of a shock in that 3-2 win over Australia um, so they are going to be going into this game in the high so it's not going to be an easy game for Ireland by any stretch of the imagination tomorrow as Ireland look to get a result and, and, and come home from the World Cup at the point at least Yeah, no, I think it's a difficult one I think... Um, You'd have, you'd have, I suppose that we have to kind of help Australia out, really. <laughs> so, um, we, I think Nigeria are good. They're organised, athletic, strong, um, a bit kind of kamikaze. You don't kind of know. They don't really have a like style of play. They kind of play a bit off the cuff. But I think that's why it's hard to play against them because they are a bit erratic in their style of play. And but I think look. You know, it could suit us if we keep our shape and stay organised that we can then pick holes in the formation and their and their shape. But it, as I said, it won't be easy. They they score goals, they score good goals as well. So we just need to go into the game and positive, try and get a positive result out of it. Overall, Danny, I suppose just the impact this World Cup is going to have on football in this country. I mean, like there was over five hundred fifty thousand people watching the game live on RTE. Another nearly quarter of a million watching on the RTE players. The impact this is going to have on the women's game as a whole in Ireland is going to be absolutely huge. Uh, it'd be hopefully it continues to grow, and you know it'd be brilliant. It, it needs huge amounts of investment within this country so that we can continue to grow the sport. But look, the more success that the national team have helps, you know. Mm -hmm. So if they can continue to keep being successful, it, there's more girls young girls watching them and having people to look up to and seeing a career in, in football then and then that's hopefully more of them coming to local games or playing at school girl level which you know the more we can all do 
as coaches and as uh, as players to help grow the game we have to do and I think that it needs huge amount it does need big investment and as I said look I still think going in you know, we're, we're five to ten years behind most other nations in terms of where women's football's at um, but like for our national team to be going into a World Cup and not being humiliated in any game only losing by the odd goal I think that shows that the level of football and players are here but in terms of the infrastructure what's been done at the elite level as such needs to massive have massive investment Danny just a word on your own senior team as well um, you're obviously in a bit of a break at the moment for the World Cup but getting to the semi-finals of the uh, the All-Ireland Cup uh, where you're narrowly beaten by uh, Cliftonville you must be very happy I suppose with how your side performed in that cup competition yeah no we were delighted obviously look the cup it was a really good competition for us we kind of felt a couple of weeks before the cup started that we were starting to really hit some form and play play well and Look, we've, we've played well quite a lot this year and not won games and I think it's hard because like, we, we look at it and we go we, 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 we were better mm-hmm. we've we done well we should have probably won that and you know we started to stop the silly mistakes and cut out the silly mistakes and that's why we, we, we've started to get the good performances and now we're starting the performances are followed up by results because we've started to play well and we're not making the silly mistakes and Ultimately, we've got to look at things. Really, we're, we're a young side, really young side. I mean, our front six um, for Crusaders game was three 16-year-olds and three 18-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and only because we've got one or two of the older girls that bring the average age up. But like, majority of the team are like 16 to 18, really. And you know, we're st- they're still learning, and we're still trying to help them improve and you know get better and you know, have the consistency to perform but ultimately it's, it, it's going to take time and we we all want things to happen now and we want success now but we, I do believe that like keeping this group of players together and keep building on what we're doing that we'll have the longevity and more success in years to come Excellent uh, Danny thanks for talking to us today pal and I'll chat you soon No problem at all Thank you, Danny. It's Danny Murphy there joining us on the line to talk about uh, the Women's World Cup and uh, hopefully the girls in green can get a result tomorrow because uh, the performances have been decent enough. Bar maybe that second half against uh, Canada, but the performance against Australia was excellent despite the defeat. So hopefully uh, they can get another result tomorrow. Uh, you're listening to The Big Red Bench with Shore 72 hour non-stop protection and talk and motorsport shortly. But first, the Rebel Oak Awards taking place this week. The latest winners of the Rebel Oak Monthly Award are the East Cork Under-17 team. They recently won the Celtic Cup All-Ireland title beating Dublin in the final. They're presented with their award at the Monthly Awards at the Clayton Hotel Silver Springs. Cork's Red FM a proud media partners to the awards. I was there. I caught up with manager Alan Geary. Alan, uh, congratulations on uh, winning the Rebel Oak Award. Um, it's a fantastic achievement for these lads, and it's great to be recognised, I suppose, by Rebel Oak. Ah, it is. Look, look. I suppose it came it came totally as a surprise there. The other day, we found out. Um, I suppose we were kind of after putting it all to bed there with a, with a few weeks. But look, it was great, and you know what? It was well. It was a great. Um, it was well deserved for the lads. They put in a huge, huge effort over the nine, ten, twelve weeks, whatever it was, and. Uh, you know what? No, it is after getting us all back together again for, 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 for another time. So, and you know what? We'd all look forward to the ball now on the 19th of January as well. So, look, it is great. You can even see the lads here, the way they're interacting with each other. They seem to have a very close bond, and I suppose that's being part of the team has done that for them. 
I'll be honest with you, that was the first thing. After we, 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 look, we had a tough time picking down a panel. We played four, four trial matches. We gave a lot of fellas a game time and stuff. But, you know, after the very first match, after the very first match, we trained the following, I'd say, the following Wednesday. And there wasn't much talk with Zayden's dress room. You know, I don't know, maybe they didn't know each other. But I remember um, just the training session before the all on final. And I asked, I told the three boys, come out, just come out, the three other lads and selectors, and we come out. I said, listen to that. Mm. I said, the crack and the banter inside. I said, that's what it's all about. Do you know what? Look, whatever happens in the final against Dublin, but they're really, really gelled. And I suppose the day, the day the final itself, up and down on, on, on the bus, we had, I, I would say it was one of the best days I ever had, like, and we had a great crack, and to live long in the memory, and, and I hope, I generally hope to live long in their memory as well. Certainly will, and we heard from the speeches there, I mean, like the Celtic Challenge Cup was a chance for lads to represent their county, who might have missed out on minor level, but the kind of overriding theme from the speeches was, this isn't the end for these lads in the county's careers, these guys can still go on and represent Cork. Oh, look, that's what it's all about. Look, look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Cork do it the best of all the counties in Ireland. They, they spread the net. Like, these lads are only under 17. You, I, I, I wouldn't... I'd be I don't know how a fella would do it and said, this fella's going to be a Cork senior at 17. Yeah, and this yeah, yeah. So, like, the way they do it, you know, Cork had five panels of players under, played, played on inter-county under 17 this year between the four uh, divisions uh, playing the Celtic Challenge and the, and the Cork under 17 team. And the, four, the five teams did, did very, very well. Um, but look, our lads just don't. Our, I, I said it after the final. I was doing an interview at the final. I, just, I said it there. There's going to be lads playing with us in that Celtic Challenge team. Going to play under 20s. I'm not even talking about senior. Yeah. In, in three years, they're going to be playing under 20s for Cork, which which is fantastic for them. And it's 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 also fantastic for us to say that you know that we were involved in in the development of a, of, of a player. So look. As I said, they're only starting off. They're only their journey's only beginning. But let's just hope that they, they look they look back at us and when we're looking for tickets for all those years to come. Uh, you beat Dublin in the final. We'll talk about that in a sec. Talk to me about how you got to that final first off. Yeah, look, I suppose um, I suppose look. I, I, I still say the game that defined us was, was the quarter final. We went up to UL and uh, we played Limerick in, in, in a good Limerick team. So their second second string, and uh, we were we were at seven points down at halftime. And uh, you know we, I suppose look, we we're trying to guide them along, we we're trying to coax them along. But it's the first time I suppose we kind of got a, a small bit angry with them in so far as we knew what they were all about. We knew the skill and talent they had, but they were just. I suppose maybe to, to drive up and and st- still some of them are still stuck inside the bus or whatever, but no, we just we just know we left, left them have it like do you know what I mean? Just told them straight where it was and we we look we're out of it if, if they didn't you know turn around and and uh, just the best half an hour I've yeah. seen all of these lads uh, the second half we end up winning by five points um, and just great Limerick were devastated because they were giving it a right rattle they thought they'd actually win it and um, no we, we came away victorious by five points I said semi-final was a tough game above in Kilworth against North Cork um, to be fair we, I've been involved with, with the Celtic challenge before East and always with North oh, it looked as a serious struggle with them like, and just a physical game and stuff but to be fair our lads we got goals at crucial times and we got performances out of a few lads that were just brilliant it's fantastic and look we, we won that game I suppose at the end we pulled away by a few points but certainly 
it stood to us for the final, definitely. Mm-hmm. Beating Dublin's always a special occasion, I suppose, but more so in the final. Oh, it is. Look, look, I, I, look, I suppose, look, we, we, we kind of, we got into a couple of teams that were after playing them already, you know, in, um, uh, I think there was, there was at the North after playing in a group match we got into them and they, they told us they were very physical, very physical altogether. So, look, um, we were ready for the battle and I suppose everything and we were prepared well and we had a great week's training and stuff and, look, to be fair, um, Derek, Pat and Jor, you know, we, we, we put in the effort and the lads, to be honest, to, at half time we were kind of even confident enough but I just, you know, it was a, it was actually a last minute goal. We could actually finally celebrate. That's the way it was. But look, we were delighted with him. And as I said, the scenes, like, to be fair, there was a huge crowd of parents up there and, you know, supports, which in this competition, you know, he, he, I haven't seen and never been before, but I, I, I haven't seen so such a big following at a match before. And it was great. Like, the, uh, and crack inside the rest of them after. Just, look, it was fantastic. That's all about really That's, that's what it's about. That's what about, you know. Um, and look, um, on the way home, I... Uh, I, I just hope like you know we didn't do anything to order it, but we just we just enjoyed we just enjoyed it. It. we enjoyed it. and we all four four of us in the management we enjoyed it and we had a great night out that night or whatever um, and look we we like I I wouldn't say I was friends of course Pat was a clubmate of mine but Derek I'd have known him and Joe I'd have known him through just seeing teams and meeting and whatever but to be fair we've kept in touch so it's yeah. great it's yeah. great that way for us as well Jackson, Alan congratulations again man thanks very much. You're listening to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM and that is Alan Geary there, the boss of the East Cork Under-17 team uh, who were presented with their uh, Rebel Log Monthly Award at Silver Springs. Fantastic year for them and uh, fantastic for them to get the Rebel Log Award and let's get to talk to Alan um, earlier on in the week. We'll have more get it games coming up on the show in a bit. Uh, we are going to uh, talk to Clan and Kilty and we're going to hear uh, go back actually to uh, Croke Park and get uh, some reaction uh, from Desi Farrell in just uh, a little bit uh, on the big red bench we're going to talk motorsport and the Belgian Grand Prix taking place today if you haven't heard the result I'm sure you can guess who won it more on that in a second first though let's introduce our F1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley Sarah how are you today? I'm good thanks I uh, just woke up from a nice nap after that Belgian Grand Prix because it unfortunately sent me to sleep so <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll do our best to report the headlines but I think you kind of alluded to it there you know another big Max Verstappen win this weekend unfortunately yeah it sounds like a fascinating race so <laughs> we get into it yeah it's look it's like there's no point in even saying that Max Verstappen has won because Max Verstappen always wins it's eight in a row now for him he is absolutely dominant him and that car are just a match made in heaven and nobody can live with him no not even his own teammate you know Perez started in P2 with Verstappen had had a penalty for an extra gearbox starting from P6 and it really it didn't matter you know Perez he had a good start and he kept you know he, he took the lead but he was only able to build out a gap of about three seconds by the time that Verstappen passed Leclerc and came hunting for him that's that's just not enough to defend yourself against Max Verstappen and it only took until lap 17 for Verstappen to actually take the lead of the race and then he himself immediately started building out a gap of over a second per lap. So I think that just really shows you that in very similar, if not identical machinery, 
Perez just does not have it, you know, does not have the calibre to take it to max. No, Verstappen started on pole, but he actually started on six because of a, a gearbox issue. So you're thinking, right, the rest of the grid might have a chance here, but quite obviously not, like. No, and I think you'd have, you'd have to put a lot more cars in between him and, and the front runner to to make it look anything like a contest. But I mean, even that, you know, we've seen him carve through the field already this year. He's just... Unfortunately, he is unstoppable, and I think, I think we're we're sort of focusing more on what's happening behind him because that really is what's interesting. You know, at one point during the weekend, there was a battle happening with him up front and the the race directors and Sky, by by default, actually chose to show a different battle that was happening further back because it's just more interesting. You know, you're you're you have more to guess about who's going to come out on top and. I suppose there's, there's positives and negatives to, to all of it, depending on who you're supporting. But I think overall, as a spectacle, unfortunately, it's just not very good for F1. Yeah, and even like he qualified in pole by nearly a second, like eight tenths of a second, which just shows you how big of a gap there is between him and the rest of the field. Yeah, I mean, we're joking on, on Twitter while live tweeting the race today that the most entertaining part of the race was Verstappen and his engineer. They've kind of like been bickering yeah. like a married couple is how they described it all weekend. And it continued today to the point where it was it was like, are we watching an F1 race or is it Love Island? Like it's really the the drama was just hilarious and you know, Verstappen is sort of at a level of confidence. I've, I've seen it called arrogance this weekend. I think there's probably a case for that as well, where he was burning up essentially his final set of soft tires towards mm. the end of the race. And his his race engineer came over the radio and specifically said, can you please not do that? And Max's response was, well, actually, I'd like to push as hard as I can. I want to do a free pit stop so that the mechanics can do some extra pit stop practice. <laughs> I've ne- I've been watching F1 for more than 20 years and I have never, ever heard a driver say anything like that. Mm. Um, and I think it really just shows he's not afraid of anything. You know, he really isn't. No, and is there actually animosity between him and his race engineer, Jean-Pierre Lambiasse, or is it just uh, good-natured stuff? It's all... I mean, we've heard, you know, Pete Bonington and Lewis Hamilton bicker. I think any any sort of dynamic where you're dealing with really high stakes because you know he still wants to win obviously and and win with conviction so i think anything where you're dealing with pressure like that you're gonna have times where it's not you know sweetness and light so i think that's fine it's not they've recognized that they talk about it openly i think it's totally fine kind of normal part for the course really in formula one yeah, so it was a Red Bull one, two Sergio Perez in second, but as you say, just uh, Max, just uh, streets above um, everyone else on the grid. I think we touched on this last week as well, Sarah, and, that, and I think you just touched on it there. You said you, you nearly had a nap during the race. Is that as a spectacle with Max kind of just dominating? It's not very enjoyable to watch at the moment. No, I think possibly the saving grace is that there's a couple of teams in that middle or chasing pack who have sort of come through or dropped off thanks to the upgrades. So I think at least, you know, things aren't remaining completely the same behind Max and behind Perez. There's, you know, the McLarens were great again this weekend, despite, you know, unfortunately Oscar Piastri did have to retire because of an incident at turn one, but Lando Norris massively took uh, advantage of the kind of rainy conditions that they had about halfway through the race. And 
he jumped all the way from the bottom of the the racing standings to p7 so you know you have kind of positive stories like that where people are making progress and at the same time you have more negative ones such as you know aston martin who unfortunately for them i mean we we're kind of getting sick of fernando alonso's face (laughs) on the podium at one stage earlier this year but now unfortunately because of the direction they took with their upgrades they've actually struggled a lot for pace and he almost wasn't able to pass Nico Hulkenberg in his Haas mm. at one point in the race so I think you still have lots of you know storylines going on behind it but it's just obviously the headline is always going to be the winner and unfortunately at the moment that's just it's nobody but Max Lewis Hamilton got the fastest lap laid on as well which I suppose is a, a positive for, for mm. Lewis Hamilton this weekend yeah I think it's um anything you can do to take even a single point away from Max is probably feels like a bigger win than it is at the moment and I think you know he's he's only a point behind Fernando Alonso now in the Drivers' Championship so I think that gives him a very big and a very real target to focus in on after the summer break especially as I say because Aston Martin are sort of falling off at the minute so I think that'll be really enticing for him to go after Fernando Alonso as you say summer break uh, is here um, it's going to be what another four weeks uh, before the next mm-hmm. race uh, in the F1 calendar so a lot of uh, work for teams to do to try and catch up to that Red Bull team but it seems like it's going to be fairly futile trying to catch up to that Red Bull team anyway yeah I think we can say with fairly good conviction that this is sort of a, a season of you know who's best of the rest there's been some suggestions made that they should just give Max the Drivers' Championship and give Red Bull the Constructors' Championship and let him take an early an early break and, and finish the year now and let everyone else go after the rest of it. I think that's a bit extreme, obviously, but I, I do think we're going to have to start looking at next year and hoping that the teams are figuring out where they can build up that, that gap because if... If Perez, as I said earlier, in the same car is finishing 22 seconds behind Verstappen, you know, the the other teams just have an absolute mountain of work to do to catch up there. They certainly do. All right, we'll leave it there. Sarah McKenzie Foley, tell the people where they can find you online. Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, I live tweet the races, so you can follow me at MacTweets, and I'm also on Instagram at MacGram underscore, and you can find me on YouTube at Sarah McKenzie F1. Thanks, Sarah. We'll talk to you in a few weeks. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. That's uh, Sarah McKenzie fully talking all things F1. The uh, Cork Premier Senior Football Championship Group A result, Clonakilty 20 points, Valley Rovers won nine yesterday. Clonakilty with a big win, impressive win in Bandon last evening. John McCarthy, the hardest working person in the business, was there. He's been chatting to Clon selector Owen Ryan. We're delighted. There's no doubt about it. I mean, they came out, they did exactly what we wanted them to do and they, they're, they're, they're fit now. I think Valleys were in a bit of disarray so maybe we caught them on, on a bad at a bad time. Like, but uh, we're delighted with Orphalus, of course. Absolutely, yeah. A lot of young players in this Cork Clannacilty team this year as well, integrating there is, them. There is young players and there's young players on the bench that you didn't see. You know, they're, they're still young. like. Um, so, you know, the panel is, is getting a bit bigger now. Like, we were caught there the last few years panel-wise but there's some good young fellas coming in there they'll help you out, help you out in fairness and you know it's just great to get all the first round the first round is huge yeah. like yes. I mean if you win your like to, oh, we're, hopefully we're not going to be in a relegation battle anyway so we can look up instead of looking down you know um, good to see Liam O'Donovan back at full fitness flying around the pitch tonight as well injury free I know how much he's put into it you've seen away from the pitch what he's put into it's great to see him back look Liam is an amazing young fellow in fairness to him like, I mean what he's gone through just to get back yeah. I mean his last championship game was 
to the county semi-final in 2021 like he hasn't played senior, senior football or any championship game since and this is you know and to come out here and give the display he did in fairness to him you know he's a great engine and you know they're, they're a good bunch of lads they're really putting in the effort you can't ask any more of that that's Owen Ryan there uh, speaking to Jar after yesterday's win over Valley Rovers let's hear from uh, Barry Casey who's a selector for Valleys ok Barry look that was a, a very very good clan clan of guilty performance I think you'd be the first to admit that but are there things to take out with from Valley's point of view heading into your next two games yeah, George, we're, we're disappointed. Um, I don't think we played to our potential. Um, you know, all credit to Clan, they were excellent on the night. Um, but look, we've plenty to work on. Problem is trying to get time to work on it with, yeah. with hurling over the next two weeks. So um, yeah. that's, that's another problem. But look, we have to go again. Uh, did that black card really hurt you there? At, I mean, because Clan kicked on and got about four or five points. I know you came back into it, but it, it came at a bad time. Yeah, I suppose, you know, Clan started well. We had the breeze. You know, we came back into it. We kicked a few bad wides, um, and then the black guard came. I think might have been five four at the time, and yeah. and Clan, Clan kicked on, and we, you know, we struggled for a while. Um, um, but credit to Clan, you know, we kind of got back into it. We were always chasing it. Yeah. I felt we were always chasing it. You know, we felt you needed a goal maybe at that stage just to get your noses in front to draw the move, but it just didn't happen. Yeah, we kicked a few wide. Now credit to Mark White. You know, we 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 probably should have taken three marks. We know the quality of them. Um, three balls came in. We three marks three points went for three goals got nothing in fact one of them ended up over the bar above and you know senior football is is, is cutthroat like that you know you have to take your chances when they come and we didn't um, I have to mention Fierker Lynch because he's he's been a constant for Valley Rovers for so long but he's lost none of that skill I know it's small to take away from tonight but it's still important to have somebody up at that in, the, in that attack heading into the next few games somebody with his quality yeah I suppose we're kind of in a rebuilding yeah. um, kind of rebuilding Program in valleys. A few of the older fellas, Kevin Canty, them have you know hung up the boots. Fear Crystal there. And we're delighted to have him. And to be fair to me, he trains really well and looks after himself really well. So yeah, he's great to have. Uh, well, listen, we wish you all the best in the next few games. Thanks for speaking to us. Thanks, sir. Cheers. That's Barry Casey, Barry, Barry Casey, even <laughs> Valley Rover speaking to Joe McCarthy after the defeat to Clan Kilty. We are rapidly running out of time. We are just going to get some uh, audio from uh, Desi Farrell uh, after Dublin's win over Kerry today in the All Ireland final. Him speaking in the press conference afterwards. Uh, you know, there's every cliche under the sun you throw out now at this time. Um, it's definitely a surreal feeling, for sure. Um, I'm just, uh, on a personal level, delighted for the players. There's some group of men, uh, none more so than the fellas sitting beside me. Um, but for those lads, it's special. And delighted for the young lads who've come into the group over the last two years. Uh, their first big occasion, um, it's great for them and their families of course so um, yeah just on the whole just it's all about players it always has been and delighted for each and every one of them well, for you, does it feel like a massive relief in a there's always relief yeah there's always relief um, the, yeah no I just I think the overriding emotion for me is just one of happiness and joy for because I like I don't have to put my body through what the lads put their bodies through anymore, like, you know, so I just... You try to sometimes, though, when you get involved yeah. in the one-on-ones and the air Yeah, the... Um, he comes in, hits you a bit of a barrel. Yeah, it's, um, it's like the game has gone to a level now where the, just the commitment, the demands being placed on, on players and for some of them to keep going back to the well as they have done over the years, it, it's just... It's unquantifiable, it's indescribable, it's, 
I'm just delighted for those men. That's Desi Farrell there. Very, very delighted Desi Farrell after today's win over Kerry. That's it from us on the Big Red Bench. Thanks very much indeed for listening to us this evening. Our podcast will be available on redfm.ie or search for Big Red Bench in your podcast provider. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, folks. We're back next Saturday. Green and Red is next. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. With Sure 72-hour non-stop protection. Tested to the limits. Sure, it won't let you down.